0: Hi, This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Total Energy Services second quarter results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Daniel Halleck, President and CEO. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you. Good morning and welcome to Total Energy Services' second quarter 2020 conference call. Present with me is Julia Gorbach, Total's Vice President of Finance and CFO. We will review with you Total's financial and operating highlights for the three and six months end of June 30th, 2020, we will then provide an outlook for our business and open up the phone lines for questions. Yulia, please proceed.
2: Thank you, Dan. During the course of this conference call, information may be provided containing forward-looking information concerning total projected operating results, anticipated capital expenditure trends, and projected drilling activity in the oil and gas industry. Actual events or results may differ materially from those reflected in TOTAL's forward-looking statements due to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors affecting TOTAL's businesses and the oil and gas services industry in general. These risks, uncertainties, and other factors are described under the heading Risk Factor and elsewhere in TOTAL's most recently filed in information form and other documents filed by Canadian Provincial Securities authorities that are available to the public at www.sira.com. Our discussions during this conference call are qualified with reference to the notes to the financial highlights contained in the news release issued yesterday. Unless otherwise indicated, all financial information in this conference call is presented in $1 million. Total Energy's financial results for the three month ended June 30, 2020 reflect a historic collapse in economic and industry activity as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the implementation of quarantines and other restrictions on economic activities intended to contain the virus. Most American drilling and completion activity began to decline in March of 2020, which decline accelerated in April. Drilling and completion activity in Canada came to a virtual halt during the second quarter with bridge counts reaching all time lows. US drilling activity continues to grind lower during the quarter, with rig counts also reaching historical lows. Revenue in the compression and process services segment decreased materially year over year, with a low production activity. Industry activity in Australia began to moderate but did not have material impact on the company's second quarter results. Our strategy to diversify geographically and operationally paid off during a tremendously challenging period. Reductions in North American revenues were somewhat offset by relatively stable revenues from Australia during the second quarter of 2020. Geographically, revenue generated in Australia during the second quarter of 2020 relative to 2019 increased by 28 percentage points to 44% of consolidated revenue, while North American contributions to consolidated revenue declined to 56%. By business segment, compression and process services contributed 43% of 2020 second quarter consolidated revenues, well servicing 31%, contract drilling services 20%, and rentals and transportation services 7%. This compares to the second quarter of 2019, when CBS contributed 62% of consolidated revenue, contract drilling services 16%, well servicing 14%, and RTS segment 7%. When the COVID-19 outbreak was declared a pandemic in March of 2020, Total Energy took immediate and decisive action to protect its financial strength and liquidity. This included cost reductions and fiscal strategy changes, including the suspension of the dividend and the reduction in the capital budget. As a result, despite a 67% year over year decline in quarterly revenue, consolidated EBITDA only declined 27%. The receipt of $4.5 million of Canadian Emergency Subsidy, Subsidy, or Qs, during the second quarter. Reduced cost of services by $3.6 million and sg and by $0.9 million. Consolidated gross margin percentage for the second quarter of 2020 was 26% as compared to 15% during the second quarter of 2019. Excluding used gross margin percentage was 21%, which represented a 40% increase as compared to the second quarter of 2019. This improvement was primarily due to a relatively greater contribution of high margin percentage service lines to the overall revenues and the extensive cost savings measures implemented during the quarter. Selling, general administration expenses for the second quarter of 2020 decreased by $6.5 million, or 53% compared to CO2 of 2019. Excluding youth, second-quarter GNA declined by 46% on a year-over-year basis. Within our CDS segment, partial use drilling days decreased by 67% during the second quarter of 2020, while revenues decreased by 57%, uh, by 58%. The EBITDA decreased only by 7%. The smaller proportional decrease in EBITDA compared to revenue was primarily due to North American cost control measures combined with the increased relative revenue contribution from Australia, as well as receive of queues. For the first half of 2020, CDS EBITDA increased 32% as a result of the completion of various North American equipment racialization projects during 2019, increased relative contribution from Australia, and ongoing cost control measures in all jurisdictions. Effective April 1, 2020, CDS segment revised its depreciation estimates for drilling equipment. As a result, this segment recorded $26.3 million of non-recurring depreciation expense related to non fully depreciated assets and additional incremental depreciation expense of 4.2 million dollars. This prospective change in depreciation estimate had no impact on EBITDA or cash flow. During the second quarter of 2020, RTS segment experienced a 62% decrease in rental utilization and a 20% decrease in revenue for utilized fees as compared to the same quarter of 2019. The decrease in revenue per utilized piece was primarily as a result of the mix of equipment operating. This resulted in a 69% year-over-year decline in revenue and 67% decrease in EBITDA. Total Energy continues to identify and pursue opportunities to rationalize operations in this segment to reflect the reality of current industry conditions. For example, during the second quarter of 2020, a substantial portion of heavy truck fleet was taken out of service through reduce use of rain costs and equipment wear until such time as North American industry conditions weren't placing such units back
3: into service.
2: While the compression and process services segment continued to experience reduced demand for new product orders, the fabrication sales backlog stabilized after several quarters of decline. At june thirtieth, twenty twenty, this segment had a forty three point eight million dollar sales backlog, which was consistent with a forty-four point five million dollars backlog at March thirty first, twenty twenty, but lower than the seventy seven point two million dollars backlog at june thirtieth, twenty nineteen. While quoting activity remains active, project awards are being delayed as customers customers await more visibility. Despite a 77% year-over-year decline in CPS, second quarter revenue segment EBITDA for the quarter declined only by 44%. The lower rate of EBITDA decline was primarily due to a lower proportion of revenues being derived from lower-margin fabrication sales as well as cost management, as well as receipt of queues. Second quarter service hours and revenue in our world servicing segment was 31% and 29% lower respectively, while segment EBITDA decreased by 10% as compared to the same period of 2019. Of saying a 67% year-over-year decline in Canadian second quarter utilization and a similar 71% decline in the United States, Was relatively stable. Utilization in Australia 64%, while industry activity in drilling began to moderate in Australia. Such decline did not materially impact our Australian operations during the second quarter. While substantial government funding has been announced to accelerate well abandonment activity in Western Canada, to date. No significant incremental service risk activity has result, resulted from such announcements, although current expectations are that such activity will commence in the near future, and we expect that our well-servicing segment to begin from such, for, to benefit from such um, activity. <clears throat> During the second quarter of 2020, total energy generated $13.8 million of cash flow and $36.2 million of cash from operating activities as compared to $22.4 million and $4.1 million respectively in the second quarter of 2019. Contributing to the increase in cash generated from operating activities was $6.7 million of inventory online during the quarter as well as $3.3 million increase in deferred revenue as deposits were received during the quarter for new fabrication sales orders and gas compression rental contracts. Following the refinancing of $40.2 million term debt that matured in April 2020 with a $50 million five-year term loan bearing interest at a fixed annual rate of 3.1%, our net working capital position increased from the end of 2019 by 27% to 131 million dollars net debt decreased 14% to 124.6 million dollars from December 31st 2019 with a repayment of 28.5 million dollars of long-term debt including 27 million dollars of voluntary rep- repayments of the outstanding on total energy's 295 million dollars of revolving credit facilities. At June 30, 2020, our weighted average interest rate on outstanding long-term debt was 2.96% as compared to 4.34% at June 30, 2019. This lower interest rate combined with lower outstanding long-term debt balances Contributed to a $0.8 million year over year reduction in quarterly interest costs. Total Energy's bank covenants consist of maximum senior debt to trailing 12 months, bank defined EBITDA of three times, and the minimum bank defined EBITDA to interest expense of three times. At June 30, 2020, the company's senior bank EBITDA to bank EBITDA ratio bank debt to bank capital ratio was 1.95 and the bank interest coverage ratio was 9.5 times.
1: Thank you, Yulia. The second quarter of 2020 was unlike any period in our 24-year history. In the face of the COVID-19 pandemic and a substantial decline in the price of oil, the North American energy industry experienced historic activity decline and industry activity levels began to moderate in Australia. The benefit of Total Energy's diversified revenue base, combined with the immediate and substantial actions taken in response to these exceptional market conditions, are reflected in the company's ability to generate significant free cash flow, even during the most difficult of times. We are pleased to be able to support our customers by maintaining continuous operations in all jurisdictions, while at the same time ensuring the health and safety of our employees and other stakeholders and preserving the company's financial strength and liquidity. During the second quarter of 2020, as Julia mentioned, our financial position continued to strengthen. After $6.3 million of net capital expenditures and $2.5 million of interest expense, The company generated $5 million of free cash flow before changes in non-cash working capital items. With the monetization of working capital, cash provided by operating activities during the second quarter of 2020 was $36.2 million, which was utilized to reduce long-term debt by $32.9 million, or approximately 12% during the quarter. Additionally, with the refinancing of $40.2 million of term debt that matured in April of 2020, our working capital position increased to $131 million, which included $21.1 million of cash at June 30th. Net debt totaled $124.6 million at June 30th, 2020 the lowest amount since Total Energy completed the acquisition of Savannah Energy Services in June 2017. In the three years since completing the Savannah acquisition despite lackluster industry conditions for much of that time Total Energy has reduced its net debt position by 110.4 million dollars or 47 percent. During the same period the company has invested $100.3 million in net capital expenditures and returned $42.5 million to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks. Having suspended the dividend and reduced our 2020 capital expenditure budget by 57% to $10 million earlier this year, Total Energy is now squarely focused on further debt reduction in the pursuit of exceptional investment opportunities. I'm extremely proud of how our employees across all business segments have stepped up to ensure that total energy will not only survive the most challenging environment we have ever faced, but also emerge in a stronger and more competitive position. On behalf of our board of directors and shareholders, thank you. To our employees that are waiting to go back to work, We thank you for your perseverance and understanding and look forward to welcoming you back as soon as possible. I would now like to open up the phone lines for any questions.
0: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Once again, to join the question queue, please press star, then one now. Our first question comes from Dane Billick of CIBC. Please go ahead. Good
4: morning, everyone. Good morning, Dane. So, I guess starting off on the two uskilling rigs that you had taken out of the field for upgrades and recertifications, I I guess two-part questions. One being, how active were those rigs over the first half of the year? And and secondly, any incremental color you can share on the nature of the upgrade as well as the customer commitment?
1: So, uh, first of all, we had telegraphed in Q1. Uh, We had anticipated these rigs would be coming down for research. And um, the... um, Our uh, current $10 million 2020 capital budget contemplates uh, the recertification of those rigs. Um, The fact that they are going down for recert and upgrades doesn't mean they won't work during the period. Um, What we're doing is doing some, how would you say, component upgrade class replacements that may allow the rigs to do shorter term projects until such times we have to pull them in and um, basically retrofit the, uh, the main components. So, you know, that's a pretty dynamic process. I can't get into all the details, nor uh, do I know all the details at this time, but um, suffice it to say, we expect uh, both rigs will be, um, the uh, retrofit upgrades and um, research will be done uh, so that they're back operational in Q2, um, we do have the one rig committed. I'm not going to comment on comp- on uh, contract terms, but um, the commitment um, includes us doing some uh, some modifications, basically to increase the capacity of the rig, and so um, um, we're pretty comfortable with what's what's happening there. So again, I think. Um, you know, you'll see uh, utilization of the next three quarters, and uh, um, that'll reflect two of these rigs being in a bit of a funny place. You know, undergoing research and uh, upgrades, but also somewhat being available for you know one-off wells.
4: Understood. That's good color. Thanks.
1: Yeah, we um, couldn't put them out for a, a program right now because we would, uh, you know, the derricks would be maxed out on on days. Right,
4: right. Okay, that makes sense. I guess shifting gears uh, to compression and processing, margins obviously was very strong in Q2. Would that have been aided by anything unique to the quarter, or was, was that
1: more of a function of uh,
4: mix, given the lower fabrication activity?
1: Certainly mix. uh What's important, obviously, uh, fabrication sales dropped off considerably year over year. That also happens to be your lowest margin part of the business. You know, the highest margin part of the business is is rentals. And, um, you know, you can see our quarterly utilization and and horsepower in the fleet. So, you know, that contributed, um, you know, cost management. All of our divisions, um, you know, we're quite pleased with how, management employees uh button down and and uh really manage their costs. And then obviously an element uh in all divisions is queues within Canada.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In sense, understood. Um I guess maybe the for me acquisitions is something you know, we've been talking about for a bit now and you know you've highlighted that as like, a good opportunity. Uh, in this environment, can you maybe just discuss what would be an ideal target for you in this environment, whether that's something where you're looking for material synergies or perhaps, you know, taking out a bloated platform where you could really add value by cutting costs? Like, what would make an ideal target right now?
1: So, first of all, uh, you know, we have to benchmark any external acquisition with um, a pretty compelling opportunity we see, which is the repurchase of our shares. Um you know, that said, uh, everything else being equal, we're partial to growth over contraction. Um, but uh, we benchmark any external acquisition against, um, you know, our own uh, reducing our share count. With that in mind, you know, we are definitely focused um, on continuing our strategy of um, gaining critical mass in all our key markets. In our four business lines, Um, you know, target acquisitions would be entities where we see the significant opportunity to extract cost savings and synergies. And um, obviously asset quality is is of uh, critical importance. We're not just going to buy something to add um, iron. So really what will drive us is, you know, assuming quality assets, um, our ability in our minds to uh, take that entity and, and um, extract some significant synergies and I think there's a lot of that out there um, you know the key is doing it at a price that uh, you know allows us to get a return on capital over the life of the investment And so I think the market uh, conditions are uh, increasingly becoming favorable to that but ultimately it's going to be the providers of capital whether equity or debt that are going to push those um, opportunities along so stay tuned i guess
4: fair enough fair enough well i appreciate the color that's all for me congrats on the good quarter i'll turn it back
1: thank you
0: once again if you have a question please press star then one to join the question queue please press star then one our next question Comes from Orrin McCluskey of Lincolnshire Management. Please go ahead.
4: Hi, Jan. How are you?
1: I'm well, Orrin. You hear we me? Must be near. Good. Yes, we must be near bottom if you're calling.
4: <laughs> I hope so. That led me to in a while. My question: <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned share repurchases as a compelling investment opportunity. Uh, have you? Um, begun a share repurchase program, or, or what you're thinking on that is my first question. The second question is, uh, any further color on your uh, compression backlog going
1: forward? So on the first question, we do currently have a normal course issuer bid in place. Um, we suspended purchases in late Q1 with kind of the whole pandemic thing and And wanting to, you know, get a better understanding of what that meant for our cash flows. Um, You know, the one thing we're sensitive, we did receive some paycheck protection payment money in the U.S. We have not recorded that as income and won't until it's forgiven. And so we're pretty sensitive to, um, you know, we want to make sure that we get through all of this and... and, um, and uh don't do things that uh compromise our ability to take advantage of of programs to help get us through this so um but that said, um you know we're pretty interested in our um in in reducing our share count right now um uh, you know i think um one indication is we continue to sell old equipment during the quarter we sold or retired um literally for scrap metal, some old equipment. Um, some of it was through private sale, others through auction. And we're consistently getting significant premiums to net book value uh, from Ritchie Brothers and, and other disposal sites. Whereas, you know, we're trading at, what, 20 cents on the dollar in the public equity market. So there's a, in our minds, a pretty significant disconnect between um, point. You know, our mm-hmm. public valuation and, and what um, you know, cash buyers are willing to pay. So, um, the second question on, um, sorry, that was just on the backlog. So, I guess encouragingly, or we saw stabilization. Um, you know, it was a, uh, as you, everyone knows, I don't need to belabor this, but it was a really, really uh, tough, strange, um, weird quarter. You know, communication itself was pretty limited with people quarantining and offices closed, and and so I got to say I'm pretty happy with our group to basically have preserved their backlog, and um, you know we'll see where it goes. You know, we're encouraged with uh, North American natural gas prices. I think we're seeing some strength in Europe, which bodes well for um, for uh, gas prices. You know the Asian economies continue to grind out of the downturn. And so, um, you know, we'll see. But, you know, we've been waiting for gas prices for a decade. So, <laughs> you know, we're not going to get too extreme. I think really, Oren, what's going to help us in all of our business lines is contraction of supply. You know, we are seeing a dramatic decrease in competitors in North America in all business lines, and um, that's going to catch up with the industry as as activity levels uh, recover.
4: Thanks, Dan. Good luck.
1: Thank you.
0: Our next question comes from Tim Monticello of ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
3: Hey, good morning, everyone.
4: Good Um,
3: morning, Tim. uh, My first question is just on uh, compression. the CPS uh, revenue in the quarter. It seems like the composition of the backlog um, slowed a little bit in the second quarter. Was that due to um, just timing on original uh, project builds and deliveries? Or was there any delays in what customers were looking for for delivery schedules?
1: No, I think it was a pretty normal quarter. I don't know, Yulia, anything from your...
2: There was nothing unusual. It's just a normal course in execution replaced by a couple of new orders.
1: Um, a little Obviously, we've uh, reduced our throughput capacity largely on the manpower side. You know, you don't want to be uh, – um, you, you can't pay people to sit around, and so you throttle back on your throughput. But, um, you know, okay. other than that, uh, pretty normal quarter.
3: Okay. Do you think that's the, the run rate or the throughput level um, in the second quarter is reflective of what you should see for the back half of the year?
1: You know, as we increase um, orders and increase the backlog, we can throttle up or throttle down, you know, in my mind, pretty amazingly quickly. You know, it's it's a tough thing somewhat. You're dealing with, with human beings that you want to, you know, treat with respect and fairly, but you're also dealing with a business that's low margin and you've got to keep your costs under control. But like I said, I'm, I'm quite pleased with how that segment managed their workforce and kept core um, capacity intact and um, was able to you know adjust to a pretty um you know pretty uh significant decline in activity although this has been ongoing now for several quarters so but they've been very methodical and proactive in in adjusting throughput and you know again depending on your forecast um you know we can adjust up as quickly as we can adjust down. Okay, great.
3: Um, second question just uh, around those asset disposals that you were talking about. Um, was that primarily uh, in the rentals division when those asset disposals were taking place? And and do you have, you know, a slate of
1: equipment that you expect to be able to sell back after the year? You know, um, it was right across all segments. Um, you know, in our rental business, um, we get um, calls from time to time from groups completely outside of our industry for for older equipment, and and most of it was old stuff that um, was underutilized. And like I said, uh, we've been gain- you know booking consistent gains on that, which gives us pretty good comfort on our good stuff. Um, You know, on the rig side, we did decommission seven rigs during the quarter and, um, you know, literally salvaged some major components but cut those rigs up for scrap. Steel and the proceeds we got exceeded book value before our change in estimate on depreciation. Really, our change in estimate didn't affect those rigs. Those were rigs that we, you know, had allocated purchase price three years ago at the Savannah acquisition that reflected the fact that we didn't put a lot of value on them. So our change in estimates did not impact. And, and you know, on our change in estimates within our drilling rig business, really what precipitated us to review that was the fact that the first time that we've ever seen in, in 24 years, you know, we've had good rigs sitting for extended periods of time. And, um, you know, our view is that there's going to be depreciation with that. You know, we've also put rigs that have sat for several years back to work with minimal startup costs and minimal physical issues, and so we've got a significant amount of comfort in the quality of our asset base. But we also recognize that, particularly given our strategy of not working rigs at uneconomic prices, that these rigs are going to sit for a bit. And so our new estimates are very much in line with the industry. It's a straight line. That's the major change. And what it does will increase our depreciation expenses in slower periods. You know, in busier periods, you know, it may decrease it. Um, but the fact is, is we wanted to get to zero quicker given the fact that, um, you know, we're facing industry conditions that see rigs fit for many years. But... Um, Physically, it makes you know. There's no change to our view of our asset base, and you know we're going to continue to make decisions to rationalize, dispose, and repair and upgrade that makes sense on a go-forward basis.
3: Okay. Do you think you're you know the majority of the the rigs that you would scrap or or maybe all of them that you're considering scrapping um,
1: happened in the second quarter? Do you expect more of that to continue? You know, we took a good hard look. So seven mechanical doubles in the U.S and two singles in in Canada and again that's a constant uh, process but you know we've got pretty much the real old stuff we did around last year some of the old uh, triples in the US and and a few others so you know it's not going to be a big issue going forward we feel pretty good about our fleet and, and in terms of depreciation estimates Again, you know, last year we focused on our rental business, this year on our rigs, and I don't see, at this point, any major um, areas of that need review going forward. Okay.
3: Um, And then I just wanted to dig into the comment that you had around uh, M&A and, and, you know, potentially focusing on getting to critical mass in, uh, you know, your core businesses. Um, on a geographical basis, has your view changed on which markets you find the most attractive? Uh you know, there's a lot of talk about you know the US market never getting back to or at least uh, you know, not in the near term getting back to a level that we even saw in twenty nineteen in terms of rig activity. Um so how how do you view the, the markets, I guess, um on a on a ranked basis between Canada, the US and Australia
1: in terms of M and A? Well, you know, every market's different. I think the U.S. is obviously by far the largest market. And, you know, I think uh, the same uh, analysts that say we'll never get back to 2019 are also in probably 2017 saying we're going much, much higher. So I think, um, you know, depending on where you're at in the cycle, you're going to get different views. Um, our view is we've got a long, long way to go in the U.S. to achieve critical mass. Um so that's an obvious area of interest for us. But we don't do things just to grow. And so we've turned down many opportunities to grow um, where the math didn't work for us, you know, including some pretty prominent drilling rig consolidations that have happened the last uh, couple of years here. Um, that said, we're seeing a lot of uh, potential deal opportunity there. Um, but we're also um, open to, you know, organic. But again, it comes down to math and and where do we see the best returns for an incremental dollar of investment. And so there's a lot of change underway in the U.S. You know, we're seeing a much, much higher rate of insolvencies and bankruptcies, both on the E&P and the um, service side. And that's going to change the industry a lot. And we feel um, quite comfortable with uh, how we're going to end up coming through this. And so... Um, we're seeing a lot of deals flow, and, and, you know, we're going to remain disciplined and make sure that any deal that we do do, uh, you know, works for our shareholders. And, you know, we look at the Savannah acquisition that we completed three years ago. Certainly, we wouldn't have expected um, the mediocre conditions that we've seen over the last three years. But, again, I, you know, talked a bit about of our cash flow and, and ability to pay down debt. And, you know, when we modeled that, we modeled to say, what if it continued to be tough? And, you know, I'm pretty happy we did that because it has been tough, but we've also uh, made, in my mind, quite impressive uh, steps to pay off the debt that we assumed, not work our asset base um, super hard at ridiculously low prices. And we're going to come out of this with a good quality asset base that's ready to go to work with minimal uh, capital requirements. And so that's how we're going to view any acquisition. You know, Australia is a pretty small market. We're a well-regarded um, participant in that market. The reality is it's a very high cost um, jurisdiction do business. And I know Savannah historically learned a lot when they entered that, and thankfully it was before we owned it. And, you know, we're trying to learn from their experiences, and we have learned, as have they. And and so, um, you know, you've got kind of 35 to 45 rigs drilling in all onshore Australia at the peak times. You know, that's the market that's, um, you know, it's not the same as the U.S. Canada right now. The reality is we see that as the most difficult market largely just given the political environment here and the inability uh to get uh infrastructure built and so um you know what it does mean is our risk adjusted perspective um <laughs> requires, you know, a heck of a deal. Um you know, we just our risk call, or our risk uh, perspective is highest in, in uh in Canada. Now that can okay. change with one election.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, U.S. dynamics might change as well
1: with, with the TLR. Exactly. Um, so you always want to do the what if,
3: right? Um, that, that's really helpful, color. I appreciate that. And then um, I guess one more question for me, and that's just around um, the federal government's um, abandonment aid package. I'm wondering if you've seen any um, contract awards from that uh, as yet, and if you have any idea of what that could look like in terms of I guess well servicing activity
1: and rental activity for the back half of the year? So we're very active in all three provinces. Um, What we've seen is is the deployment of funds not flow as quickly as one would have hoped. I expect that'll accelerate here over the next couple months Um, but for whatever reasons uh, there's been a slow deployment of funds coming out of those programs. So the reality is in Q2, uh, out of that federal $1.7 billion or whatever, there was no activity for us. Um, going forward, we expect that to change. But again, I can't control government departments, so um, you know I'm not going to give any forecast. But our stance is it's going to be reasonably soon here.
3: Okay. So you have not it- you know, have, you don't know, have any concrete in hand. Q2
1: had no benefit for our businesses. Right.
3: Uh, and just to clarify, this far into Q3 there hasn't been any um, I
1: don't comment on, I'm not going to comment on that. I think um, we're very active in that mix and you know, I'm not going to comment on specifics.
3: Okay, fair enough. I appreciate all the, the details you provided. Thanks,
1: then. I Q3 will be better than Q2 for uh, <laughs> for proceeds from those programs. I'll I'll give you that forecast, Tim.
3: Hey, directional guidance is better than no (laughs) guidance.
1: Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Halleck for any closing remarks.
1: Thank you uh, for joining us this morning on our conference call, and we hope everyone has a safe and and happy summer, and we look forward to speaking with you after our third quarter results. Have a good day.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day.